We are on Yevomos Kufyu Tes Amiralif 119a in the middle of a sugya, in the middle of a topic. And so just a quick review. We had two cases in the Mishnah. The first case of the Mishnah was a scenario where there are two wives. There are co-wives who are married to the husband. One of the wives stays back home. The other wife is traveling with the husband. And there are witnesses who say that the husband died. Uh, but the co-wife is still traveling abroad. Um, so the law is, the mission says, that the wife who stayed back home is not allowed to do yibam and is also not allowed to get married to anybody else. She's stuck until she finds out whether or not her co-wife had a child. Why? Because when the husband left, none of them had children. There were no children. And since there were no children, so then status quo should be that uh, she should be able to do yibam. However, there is also a rove. There's a statistical majority uh, that says that, um, or at least even before we get to the statistical majority, the reason why she can't do yibam is because there's this concern that her co-wife had a child while they, while they were abroad. There's this uh, serious concern that her co-wife had a child, or at least even if she's just pregnant, uh, she will have a child. Uh, and so therefore, if she has a child, so then nobody does Yibam. And so therefore, because we're in this state of uncertainty, and in the state of uncertainty, we don't know what to do in this case. So she can't do Yibam because maybe the Kohef had a child. She can't get married to anybody else because she still has to do Yibam or Chalitza. And she's not allowed to do Yibam. Uh, and she can't get married to somebody else. So the Gemara really wants to, the Gemara asked, and the last time we learned this, the Gemara asked, why can't she get married to somebody else? Why can't we even assume let us just assume that the co-wife is pregnant and has a child. It could be a boy or a girl. Let's assume that the co-wife had a child. Why should we assume that? Because in cases of uncertainty, one of the principles is to go based on the majority. We should go based on the statistical majority. The majority of the time, a wife is going to become pregnant and have a child. Uh, the majority of the time. So we should even allow her to get married, assuming that the co-wife who's traveling abroad with the deceased husband, she was traveling with him, so then, uh, they had a child, <coughs> and she should be, the co-wife who's staying at home should be able to just get married without doing Yibam Rechalitza, because if the co-wife had a child, then there is no Yibam Rechalitza. To this, the Gemara answered that we're following the position of Rav Meir. Rav Meir holds that we are concerned, even though in general we should follow the majority in certain cases, um, but we are, we are concerned, perhaps even on a biblical level, or on a rabbinic level at the very least, uh, concerned for uh, the unlikely scenario where she does not have a child, based on the minority of times that she doesn't, she she does not have a child. The co-wife doesn't have a child. If she did, never had a child, uh, so then there would be an obligation to do yibum. And so, therefore, the co-wife who is stuck at home, who doesn't know what exactly is the situation with the co-wife who traveled abroad, she doesn't know whether or not she, uh, the co-wife had a child or not. Uh, and so therefore, she's really stuck until she finds out. That was the first case of the Mishnah, based on the explanation of the Gemara. The Gemara is now going to question what we just said, based on the second case of the Mishnah. So let's review the second case of the Mishnah. The second case of the Mishnah is, forget about multiple co-wives, forget about the scenario, the case is where the husband is traveling abroad, together with the husband's mother, together with the, the wife's mother-in-law. The husband's mother is traveling. And the case is such that the husband does not have a brother. 
doesn't currently have a brother, and so that since the husband doesn't currently have, have a brother, the status quo is that she is exempt from the mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza, right? Because if there's no brother-in-law, so then there is no mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza. She should go ahead, if there are witnesses who say the husband died, and there are witnesses that then say the husband died, so then she should be able to get married to whomever she wants. However, maybe there should be a concern that since the mother-in-law is also traveling abroad, maybe the mother-in-law had another child and it was a boy. What's unique about this case and different about this case is that for the mother-in-law to have a child and that it's a boy, that does not happen the majority of the time. Because um, even if you want to say there's a 50-50 chance of a boy and a girl, but there's also a chance that it will become a nafel, that there will be a miscarriage. And as such, the majority of the time, it is not a boy. The majority of the time, it is either a girl or a miscarriage, which is not a boy. Um, and so therefore, we do not assume, if we were to follow the majority, uh, so then we would not assume that it is a, uh, a boy, because the majority of the time, it is not a boy. Uh, and so the Mishnah says, what does the Mishnah say in this case? The Mishnah says that if there's a mother-in-law that's traveling abroad, we are not concerned that she will have a boy, because presumably, the Mishnah doesn't explain why, but presumably because the majority of the time it's not a boy. So the Gemara is about to ask, hold on a second, we just said the first part of the Mishnah is like Rav Meir. What does Rav Meir hold? Rav Meir holds that we have to be concerned for unlikely scenarios for, for uh, the, the statistical minority. So then here too, if that's the case, and we're following the position of Rav Meir, so then even in the second case, where we're discussing the mother-in-law, and the mother-in-law giving birth to a boy, which doesn't happen the majority of the time, does not happen. Uh, so we should still be concerned for Romero. We should say, wait a minute, the wife of the deceased husband should not just be allowed to marry whomever she wants because there's no mitzvah of Yubim because there's no brother-in-law. No, maybe we should be concerned that there is a brother-in-law in this case. So that's the question of the Gemara right now. So the Gemara says, Amos Seifa, what about the rest of the Mishnah? The second case of the Mishnah. If she has a mother-in-law who's also traveling abroad with the husband and witnesses say that the husband died, we're not concerned that the mother-in-law has a boy. Why? Why? Based on what we just said, as we just explained, uh, the reason why we're not concerned is because the majority of the time it's not a boy because there's a 50-50 chance that it's a boy or a girl. And even if you want to tell me that it ends up being a boy, but there's also a chance that it'll be a miscarriage. And as such, the majority of the time, it's not going to be a boy. And that's why we could say that we're not concerned. Uh, we're not concerned for it to be a boy. There is no brother-in-law in the picture. But the Gemara says, I don't understand. We, 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 should generally, we should generally be concerned because we follow, this seemingly does not follow the position of Rav Meir. So how could the Mishnah be Rav Meir? It sounds like it's Rav Meir in the first case of the Mishnah. It's not Rav Meir in the second case of the Mishnah. So who is the author of the Mishnah? So the Gemara says, no, maybe we could answer this. How could we answer this? The Gemara says, no, maybe there's another factor that's playing here. There's another way of looking at this scenario. Again, just to review. This second case is a case of uncertainty. We don't know the facts. In a situation where we don't know the facts, so far the Gemara suggested, go based on the majority. <coughs> At least according to the Rabbanon, according to Rav Meir, we also have to be concerned for the unlikely scenario. 
But uh, according to the Rabbanon, we should go based on the majority. That's one way of dealing with a case of uncertainty. The Gemara says, no, maybe we have to deal with it in a different way. How do we have to deal with it? Not based on following the majority, but following status quo. In the second case, where there's a mother-in-law, uh, and the mother-in-law is also traveling, so we don't know whether or not the mother-in-law had a child. So as of now, the mother-in-law, when the mother-in-law left, she did not have a boy. There was no boy, there was no brother-in-law. So right now, when she left, at the point in time when there's uncertainty, so the status quo is that this wife, if her husband were to die, she is exempt from the mitzvah of Yibam Rechalitza, meaning she could then go ahead and marry whomever she wants without doing Yibam Rechalitza. That's the status quo. So when she finds out that her husband passed away, we should follow status quo and say she can marry whomever she wants. That's what the Gemara wants to suggest now. So don't necessarily follow the laws of Rove, of majority, but follow the rules of Chazaka, of status quo. Status quo is a principle that we use in Halacha, in Jewish law, to, to, to figure out what to do in cases of, of uncertainty. Perhaps it's not telling us what happened. It's not necessarily telling us, oh, it must be that this is what happened. But it's just a way of dealing with the situation in a case of uncertainty. Since we don't know what happened, let's just, let's just follow the rules as if status quo remained the same. As if nothing changed, so maybe maybe we should do that, uh, and so therefore she should be able to marry whomever she wants. Just to, to explain the rest of the Mishnah, based on this, the Mishnah continues to say that if she left pregnant, so then we are concerned uh, that she had a boy. So perhaps if she left pregnant and we're following Chazak or following status quo, perhaps there's no longer a status quo that she's exempt from yibum. Maybe there's different ways of phrasing this, but. Maybe we could say that there, that uh, you've lost that status quo. Maybe there is no longer a status quo because something has already changed. The mother-in-law is pregnant. <coughs> she, excuse me, she hasn't given birth yet. So we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. But the very fact that she's pregnant uh, will allow us to say, you know what, there's no longer a status quo here. And so therefore maybe we do have to be concerned. Uh, so that's, that's the rest of the Mishnah of the difference between when she left, uh, when she wasn't pregnant or when she left and she, she was pregnant. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, if we're going to follow the principle of Chazaka, of status quo, in cases of uncertainty, what about the first case of the Mishnah? What happened in the first case of the Mishnah? We should also, the Gemara says, Reisha, if we're following status quo, what's the case in the Mishnah? The case in the Mishnah, the first case, is where you have two co-wives, they don't have any children, there's uncertainty as to whether one of the co-wives has a child. But that's, that's the uncertainty. What's the status quo? The status quo is that they don't have children, and there's an obligation to do Yibam. So if we're really following status quo, so then let's follow it all the way through in all the cases of the Mishnah, and we should say that, uh, there, that there's an obligation to do Yibam, because the status quo in the first case is to do Yibam. Why did the Mishnah say that you can't do anything, you can't do Yibam, and she also can't get married to anybody without doing Yibam? She can't get married to anybody, really, until she finds out what happened. Why? We should follow status quo. Status quo is that you should be able to do Yibam. So that's the question of the Gemara. So the Gemara is going to present one answer, reject that answer, and then give a final second answer, a very important second answer. Answer number one. Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Rabba Baravu, Rabba Baravu says, Reisha Ditzer Karis, Chashashu, Sefer Ditzer Lav, Lo Chashashu. The Gemara wants to suggest that first it will be rejected, but the Gemara wants to suggest that do, when do we have a higher level of concern? In the first case of the Mishnah, what could end up happening? If she ends up doing Yibam, if she follows the status quo, that there were no children, and therefore there's an obligation to Yibam, if she's wrong, the punishment is not just a regular, ordinary negative commandment, it's a severe negative commandment. It's having relations with your brother-in-law outside the context of Yibam. 
if she was wrong. That's kares. That's an early death. That's a severe punishment. In that case, we have to be super concerned. And so therefore, we say you can't do yibam. In the second case, with the mother-in-law, so there the status quo is that there's no brother-in-law, and so therefore she can marry whomever she wants. If she's wrong, it's true. It's not a good thing. She violated a negative commandment in the Torah. But it's not as severe. It's not kares. It's not an early death. It's not as severe. And so therefore, we have less concern in that case, suggests the Gemara. And so the difference between the two cases is, what happens if you're wrong? How severe is it? In the first case, it's very severe. In the second case, it's less severe. And so therefore, in the second case, we'll let her get married to whomever she wants. In the first case, we'll say, you can't get married and you can't do Yibam. Maybe that's the answer. Rava says back, Amar Rava, Michti, Hadaraisa, Vadaraisa. Mali Yisr Kharis, Mali Yisr Lav. A principle that we've seen in the past. Rava says, what are you talking about? Just because one has a more severe punishment than the other doesn't mean that we take it less, more seriously or less seriously. It's not true. We don't apply such a principle. Once it's a biblical prohibition, they have equal weight and, we, and, and we're concerned for them equally. Just because one is, has a more severe punishment does not impact how much uh, we have to be concerned for the violation of the commandment. We have to be equally concerned. Adds Rashi, there are certain cases like if it's a rabbinic, only a rabbinic prohibition, so then maybe if it's a rabbinic prohibition or two different types of rabbinic prohibitions, you could have one outweigh the other. But when it comes to biblical commandments, biblical prohibitions, it's not for us to decide which one requires uh, more care for, that we have to be more concerned for one versus the other. No, they're equal. Even though one has a more severe punishment, the, the severity of the punishment doesn't reflect upon how serious we take it. That's what Rava says. So we have we go back to our original question. At the end of the day, what's the difference between the first case of the Mishnah and the second case of the Mishnah? If we're following Chazaka, if we're following status quo in a case of uncertainty, so then in the first case of the Mishnah, we should really say that she could do Yibam. In the second case of the Mishnah, it fits that she could go marry whomever she wants because the status quo is that there's no brother-in-law. She can marry whomever she wants. But why is it that in the first case of the Mishnah, we say she can't do Yibam and she can't get married so Elamarova Rava gives the following answer. Reisha Chazaka liyibam verubal ashok vechazaka lo adav kiruba vaisim yutu demapila samach lechazaka vahavle palgo palga lotinos of lotis yabim. The first case of the Mishnah. <coughs> Sorry, just to go back, we said originally just to review that we should go based on the majority, and then we said, you know what? Maybe uh, the Mishnah, the author of the Mishnah, is. And we have to be concerned for the minority possibility, the the the, the minority statistical minority. Then the Gemara wanted to backtrack and say, you know what? We should really go based on status quo. And now the Gemara is saying, really, it's a mix between the two. We have to take both into consideration. And in the first case of the Mishnah, there is a chazaka. True, there's a status quo that she's obligated to do yibum. There's no kids. There are no kids. There is a brother-in-law. There's no kids. Obligation to do yibum. Follow the status quo. However. There's also a majority. What's the majority? There's a statistical majority that says that the co-wife had a child uh, while she was abroad. And so therefore, while she was traveling, she had a child. So therefore, there's an exemption from Yibam. And Rove, says the Gemara, majority is, uh, is, is the better go-to than Chazaka, than status quo. Majority at least helps... Uh, helps us with with actually understanding the facts. The status quo is just what to do when you don't know what else to do. It's it just it's something referred to as a hanhaga. It's just you know we don't know what to do, so then we'll just continue with status quo. 
at least the, t- the statistical majority is a way of figuring out the facts. So we should go based on the majority. It says the Gemara, but since we also have a status quo that says that she should do Yibam. And there's a minority. There is a statistical minority which says that she she did not have a child. The Kohef did not have a child because we have the two combined. So we turn it, we sort of put together. On the one hand, there's the status quo and the statistical minority which says that... Uh, that there is an obligation to do Yibam because there's no kids. There's a statistical majority that says that the Kohef did have a child. So they sort of balance each other out, says the Gemara, and we're stuck, which is exactly what the mission says. You can't do Yibam and she can't get married because we're absolutely stuck. We don't know the status quo slash together with the minority possibility up against the majority, statistical majority. It's a clash. It's a clash and we have no way of solving it. So she can't get married and she can't do Yibam. But what about what about the second case of the Mishnah, Seifa? Explains the Gemara in the case of the Seifa, where there's the mother-in-law who's traveling, and we don't know whether or not there's a brother-in-law before she leaves. There's no brother-in-law. Status quo is that there's no brother-in-law, and now the mother travel, mother-in-law travels. Seifa chazak l'shuk, v'rubel l'shuk, v'avli zachar miyuta 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 luchayish remayer. Says the Gemara that in this case there is a status quo which says that. There is no Yibam. Not only that, but even if the mother-in-law were to have a child, there's a statistical majority that the majority of the time, uh, the, the majority of the time, it's not a boy. Because either it's a girl, <coughs> or it could be a miscarriage, unfortunately. But it's not a boy. It's not a healthy boy. As such, in this case, we have it that the status quo and the majority are aligned with each other to say that there's no mitzvah of Yibam. So even though, explains the, the Gemara, that Rav Meir is in the position that we have to be concerned for the unlikely scenario, for the minority chance that it's a boy, in this case that it's a boy, even though Rav Meir in general is concerned for that, in this case he's not. Because it's viewed as what the Gemara refers to as muta de muta. It's such a small chance. What does it mean it's such a small chance? It means... Status quo plus the majority tells us that there's no Yibam here. Status quo is there's no brother-in-law. Majority of the time, it's not a boy. The child won't be a boy. And so therefore, this is very different than the first case of the Mishnah. In the first case of the Mishnah, the majority was clashing against the status quo. In this case, the majority is aligned with the status quo. They have the same results. As such, even Romero would agree, in this case, that we are not concerned for... Uh, for the for the unlikely scenario, we're not concerned for the the chance that it will be end up being a boy and that there'll be a brother-in-law, and so that's the difference. Explains the Gemara between the first case and the second case. This is a very important Gemara in terms of figuring out what to do in case times of uncertainty. Do we follow status quo? Do we follow majority? Uh, do we, we, take, we? It seems like we take both of them into account, uh, especially according to Rav Meir, um, perhaps also according to according to the Rabbanan. It's a whole separate discussion. Uh, but we see that we take both of them into account, and at the end of the day, in the first case, there's a clash between the status quo and the majority, and in the second case, they're aligned, and so therefore, we follow the status quo to say that she has an exemption from Yibam, and she can go ahead and marry whomever she wants. Okay, we'll continue with this Gemara in the next recording.